Big Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. Earlier this week, an EU ban on Russian refined petroleum products came into effect. This ban follows the EU embargo on Russian seaborne crude, which was implemented in early December and is part of efforts to penalize Russia for its war on Ukraine by limiting the revenues it receives from its oil sales. Now, a key question facing investors is whether these sanctions will disrupt global oil trade and pressure global oil prices higher. So this week, my colleague Bob Bryan is joining me to discuss the likely supply impact of the EU ban, as well as oil's demand side outlook following China's reopening. Bob is the chief strategist for BCA's commodity and energy strategy. Bob, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, Let's start off with the supply side of the oil market equation. So earlier this week, the EU ban on Russian refined oil products came into force, which includes a ban on diesel and jet fuel. Now, if we take a look at the impact of the earlier ban on seaborne Russian crude oil, which came into effect in December, there's some skepticism about how much of an impact that had on global oil supply. There have been reports, for example, that Russia has been able to bypass the December ban by rerouting its crude flows to places like China, India, and Turkey, and by taking advantage of Iran's so-called ghost fleet of tankers. So my question is, how disruptive has the crude oil ban actually been to global oil markets, and how disruptive do you expect this latest ban on products to be? Great question, Rakaya. So I think What's been the the real surprise has been how um, effective Russia has been able to mobilize uh, shipping through this ghost fleet, you know, which is very old ships that either are going uninsured or uh, insured someplace other than in the uh, UK or in the EU or in the US. The Russians being able to assemble, you know, the shipping via this uh, ghost fleet has allowed them to keep crude production uh, at or above where it was prior to the Uh, embargo, which kicked in in December, on December 5 last year. The product embargo kicks in, or already kicked in on February 5, you know, this month. And, you know, we're waiting to see how that plays out. One of the things that's uh, really interesting is that um, there are far fewer ships capable of carrying refined products uh, than there are capable of carrying crude oil um, in this, you know, so-called ghost fleet. So we will you know, have to see if that results in uh, delays because these ships are going to have to take longer journeys to, to get to ports in Africa uh, and Latin America and, and maybe some places in Asia. Whereas before, you know, the product had a fairly uh, short voyage uh, from Russia to Europe, European ports. Um, and, you know, that allowed them to keep the turnover high. So there, there's a chance that we see you know, the production of uh, refined products in Russia going down because turnover starts to slow because of fewer ships available to move product. But we just won't know. Uh, You know, it's been interesting. Everybody just got it wrong on, uh, myself included, on how effective the embargo would be once it kicked in, um, not realizing how effective Russia was in lining up uh, alternative shipping. Right. And if we 
switch from the supply side of the equation to the demand side of the equation, the IEA assessment of global oil demand is that China's economy following the economic reopening there, they cited that as a key reason for growth in oil demand this year. But what's interesting here is that if you take a look at price dynamics in global commodity markets over the past few months, we'll see that, for example, industrial metals such as copper, aluminum, steel, iron ore, they've all rallied since November on news of China's reopening. But the price of oil is actually below where it was at the start of November and is at roughly the same level where it was just ahead of that December ban on crude oil. So why do you think the oil price dynamics have been relatively muted? Um, I think there's a couple of things going on here. We've had an incredibly warm winter in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, you know, we published today the uh, EIA, the U.S. Uh, Energy Information Administration's assessment of uh, where they think uh, natural gas inventories are going to end up uh, in the U.S., and they're going to be 16% over the, you know, the five-year average, and, and that is because of this very warm weather uh, that we've had. For the most part, the northern hemisphere has been warm, particularly in Europe, and what that's done is reduce the demand for nat gas, but also reduce the demand for heating oil or gas oils, as they call it over here in Europe, and um, you know all that inventory that was built up going into winter has to be now cycled out and the market itself has to sort of come back into alignment with, with this new reality that all of the supply that was loaded into inventory on the oil side wasn't used. In addition, in the uh, US and, and other developed markets, you're seeing gasoline demand uh, weaker, you know, coming out of last year and, you know, mostly since about from 2004 to now, um, you know, you've been losing uh, demand every year on, on the whole. I, I think we're running about 30% below in the U.S. on gasoline demand versus where we were in 2004. And that has to do with the fleet of, of automobiles changing over um, and uh, you're getting more efficient cars on the road, much better gas mileage, and uh, you're getting more uh, EVs, Only even if it is a very, very small share of the uh, total market. So you know, you've got those things going on and people are driving a little bit less as well. So the demand for those refined products is going down. So the combination of clearing out inventory, uh, lower demand in DM, you know, the market is still working through it. But, you know, you're, you are seeing signs that EM demand is picking up and uh, mobility in China is picking up. And you'll you'll see that showing up in higher demand uh, going forward from where we are right now. Right. And if we take a look at the OPEC plus coalition uh, that has played a major role in adjusting its output to balance global oil markets since the start of the pandemic. Um, and at the end of last year, OPEC plus members agreed to cut their production target by 2 million barrels per day, uh, roughly 2% of global demand from November 2022 until the end of 2023. But as I mentioned, the International Energy Agency recently said that they expect um, stronger oil uh, demand this year. And Dr. Birol, the head of the IEA, recently said that OPEC plus may need to lift its oil output this year in response to stronger global oil demand. So what role do you expect OPEC plus to play in balancing oil markets this year? And do you think that there is a possibility that they will abandon their agreement to cut oil output this year? We share that view. Our demand estimate for this year, based on our last forecast uh, in uh, January and, and even before that, 
we have demand uh, going up, you know, 2 million barrels a day, something like 1.97 million barrels a day um, globally, um, largely on the back of the China reopening, as you were mentioning, and the you know overall pickup in uh, GDP that, that comes from that as China catalyzes growth in the rest of Asia. And, you know, you, you've had this warm winter which means that you know the EU is going to escape recession. Everybody you know was really worried about that, and the U.S. remains really dynamic uh, economically. So you've got uh, the EU, the U.S., and China more than likely uh, seeing pretty good growth this year. Even after the World Bank downgraded its growth forecast for this year, we assumed it was going to be higher. You know, largely on the back of the uh, China reopening, but also on the fact that. It did, you know, for all those other reasons, the uh, the warmer weather. So, you know, when you have the EU, the U.S. and China not going into recession, that's half the world's GDP on a purchasing power basis that's going to be growing this year. So that's important. And I think as far as the, uh, the OPEC plus guys go, they uh, have done a remarkable job, you know, really good job of calibrating the, the supply they release to the market with the demand that they're actually observing. And I think that it is likely that they are going to have to increase production, particularly since the uh, U.S. production is not uh, expected to really go gangbusters this year. You know, it, it, it'll once again fall to Saudi and the UAE primarily um, and Russia keeping its crude production flowing and, and getting to market via this ghost fleet, you know, to keep prices from getting too high. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Bob. Oh, it's my pleasure, Rukaya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.